Good evening. I'm Fiona Mountford, theatre critic of the Evening Standard, and it's my real pleasure to welcome you to this Treasure Island platform. Hearty yo-ho-hos to you all. My guests scarcely require any introduction. Polly Findlay is one of the most talented directors currently working in British theatre. Her past productions here at the National include Antigone and Protest Song, and last year she made her RSC debut. Playwright Bryony Lavery has been an established name for many years, with such varied and provocative works as Frozen, which went on to be nominated for four Tony Awards in New York, Beautiful Burnout, and Kursk. Together, Polly and Bryony have concocted a magnificent production, and it's a delight to have them here to talk about it, so welcome. Thank you. Um, just before we start, perhaps, I don't know if we can see, perhaps we might have a show of hands, if we could have the house lights up ever so slightly. Who's seen the show already? through the gloaming. Ah, yes, okay, some people. And who has tickets to see it later on or tonight? Ah, okay, fine. Um, well, thank you. Well, we'll try to make sure we don't spoil anything for you, but I suspect you might already know where the treasure is buried. <laughs> so, let's start. So, the question for both of you to start with. Bryony, Polly, before you embarked upon this project, how well did you know the book of Treasure Island? Did you read it as children? Honestly, I don't think I knew it at all. I mean, it was interesting, actually, when we were auditioning. Um, a lot of people said that it was a title that they knew. Yes. Um, and I think people have a kind of sense of the... the, the certainly of the big images of people that everyone goes, oh, that's the, that's the guy with one leg and the parrot, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. Um, and I think, I, think, I think my feeling was that I had a kind of sort of folk memory of it without okay. actually being able to sit down and tell anyone... It's one, of those books you think you, it's one of those books it's easy to think, oh, I think I've read, and then you think, have I actually read it? I well, think that's I, right. I did read it, because I thought one of us should. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, read it, I read it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think I read it as a ten-year-old, um, yeah. and remember being frightened out of my skin by it. Right. Um, and so when I, I read it again, um, it was odd... Polly and I both said, you, you remember the same things, whether you've read it or not, or whether you've heard it or not. Yes. There's the same frightening stuff. I Get ready, audience, tonight. I remember it being quite impenetrable and being some quite technical naval language. Um, a lot of rig... Everyone seemed to spend an inordinate amount of time in the rigging, or maybe, again, that's a folk memory. It's definitely rigging heavy, <laughs> yes. I mean, I can sympathise with that, for sure. <laughs> I mean, when I read it, um, when we knew that we were doing it, because I did read it... Um, <laughs> Both of you, come on. What I, was, what I was struck by was how, as you say, really, how dark it was mm. um, and how um, prepared it was to spend real serious time in the territory of nightmare. Um, but there were also things, I mean, when we were talking about how we might structure it, that there were also things um, exactly along the lines that you're talking about that presented a particular challenge because he wrote it as a serial novel. Yes. So um, he was writing in instalments, not necessarily structuring with the whole thing in mind as he went. And yes. of course, when you're putting together a theatre piece, you have to try and think in one long, yes. long arc rather than lots of little segments. And that certainly presented us with some problems. And we, we got very stuck on, on sections that felt very heavy on rigging imagery <laughs> and so on. And thinking, gosh, we've got, we've got to do justice to the author here in terms of getting this into the, into the show. And then I found um, an autobiography 
uh, with a lot of his letters in it. And there was one particular section that we'd been absolutely banging our heads against the wall on. And um, we found him writing all these letters to his friends saying, oh God, I don't know what I'm going to do this week. I'm just gonna, I'll keep them up the rigging for a bit longer <laughs> and then, you know, I can, then I, can, I can pay my rent. And we sort of thought, that's okay, yeah. we, can, we can cut yeah. it. I remember, I read something and it said Robert Louis Stevenson sort of wrote it. It wrote the first, he wrote it in 12 days. He wrote a large section. Then he kind of lost interest in it. But because he'd committed to this serial, he had to keep going. So possibly hence more rigging. Every writer knows that <laughs> situation, but yeah. Um, I can't remember any rigging in it. Um, Maybe it's because we cut it. No, oh. in the book, no, but <laughs> we're, yes. we're making um, it all up. Um, do you think it's significant that it's three women sitting up here on the Olivier stage discussing this most masculine of books? Because Stevenson, after all, was adamant that it was a story for boys. Well, I mean, that's something that we talked about a lot when we knew that we were going to do the show. I mean, um, the, the idea, I mean, he, you know, he was also a 19th century writer. Yes. Um, and I'm not sure that would be, I mean, it's absolutely right that he said that he, he felt that it was a story for boys. But I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, sure that we'd take his sort of, his party line on, uh, you know, um, uh, the NHS or <laughs> immigration <Yes>. either. Um, <laughs> and so it was sort of, uh, it felt very important to us that we tried to put together an adaptation that said that as far as we were concerned, this was a story for girls as well as boys. Yes. And we were very conscious of, of actively rebalancing that in the way that we decided to bring it to the stage. Yeah, yeah because it, it was the Christmas show and two, it, there's only one female, two females in the book, um, and there's the mother at the beginning, and then there's mention of John, Long John Silver's wife. Yeah. But it was Christmas, you know, we want, yeah. we want some of our great women actors on here, and um, we want, you know, so when the pair a better of you idea. Well, yeah. exactly. When the pair of you started working together on Treasure Island, what was your, your shared goal, your overarching aim <laughs> for the production? Gosh, what a good question. Yeah. Um, Rollicking good fun. I th Rollicking good fun. I think that fun. was a headline for mm. sure. I mean, I think something we that felt important to me... Go on, sorry. I was going to, we, we did want to keep it dark. Right. Um, and we did want... Oh, everything in it, but you go on. <laughs> well, all I was going to say well, was that it yeah. felt important to me, um, because it's a family show, Yes. Um, I think it occupies a, a very particular place in the Nationals' schedule yes. and, and has a particular job to do. And I very much wanted it to feel like something that could potentially introduce younger audiences to the things that theatre can do that perhaps cinema can't. So it, it's a story with a big epic sweep yes. um, and we wanted to find a way of reflecting that in the way that the theatrical vocabulary of the thing worked so it, it felt important to me to try and find a way of um, of making it feel like it's difficult in here because it's a you know it's a, it's a big it's old theatre um, and we wanted to try and find a way of, of, of making the the the, the adrenaline of the thing felt viscerally in the audience yes. so that that was important to me to try and make it feel like an event well so following on from that <coughs> those of you who've seen it already will know that in every respect this is a major production um can we sorry is it possible to get the house lights up on the set for a minute i'm asking too much here can we see it i mean i don't know if you can can anyone see the set? it's well it's an astonishing set 
you'll, you'll learn this later. Um, and, and it's extremely technically complex as well, and it utilises all the nationals' many resources at their fullest stretch. So I'm wondering, Polly, could you talk us through some of the, the, the challenges of this very technically complex production? It must have been a lot to coordinate. And yes, yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, it felt a bit during the tech that um, we were trying to... Are we being backlit now? This is quite exciting. Oh, look. Um, ooh, ooh. <laughs> look at that, yes. Uh, it felt a bit during the tech, like every every page we turned over, we were trying to deliver another moment. We would kind of go, oh God, another moment. <laughs> We've got 15 minutes to deliver this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I mean, yes, I suppose it, it uses all the toys that the National has to offer. At their, so, yes. So we're using... Um, both bits of both bits of the drum, and it all revolves. And without giving too much away, yeah. we change everything that's underneath over the interval. In fact, we change everything that's on top in the interval as well. Um, and we wanted to we wanted to, as I was saying, we wanted to find a way of kind of trying to break what counts as the fourth wall in here. So we've I don't know if you guys can see, but we've tried to build a kind of um, a planetarium because it felt important to us that part of what happens to Jim narratively when we were looking at big narrative metaphors that we could use to hold the whole thing together. Um, her learning how to navigate by the stars and work out who her true constant... Oh, here we go. Brilliant. This is amazing. Oh, I should do this more often. This is I fantastic. Know, um, uh, so th so um, we wanted to make a gesture like this to try and make that, that metaphor feel physically clear in here. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean and also, it's, just got, it's got so many... Um, different locations, hasn't it? And so many different challenges in terms of when we've got to kind of tell the whole story of how to do a ship. And I felt like I'd seen so many productions where you see a ship that kind of has to like turn a corner and then reverse to get off. Because <laughs> of so we were trying to find a way of really um, building a ship that felt in keeping with the, with the kind of physical volume of this space. But I won't talk about that because you'll see it later. Yeah. Well, well f following on from that, uh, the, the design, as we're talking about, Lizzie Clacken's work is quite outstanding. <laughs> and you've been reminded you need to look up a lot in this production. And again, a feat of technical accomplishment. So was it easy to settle on the look of the production? Was that something that was quite clear in your minds from the start? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was... It was uh, uh, it feels like Lizzie is missing because Lizzie was so. It was such a a process a process of of writing it, rewriting it, talking out how it might be, and then seeing what we could afford, wasn't it? Right. I, I can remember several sad days when your vision just we, we couldn't afford it. Um, we still can't afford it. So no. <laughs> Um, no, it took, it took, we went back and forth a lot, and, yes. in, and in the end, um, what we came up with was, was this idea that we, because the whole story is refracted through Jim's experience, um, uh, was that actually what we were inviting the audience into was sort of to take a step into her brain. So then we were trying to imagine, um, and that felt useful in here because it's sort of brain-shaped. <laughs> Um, and so we, f we tried to imagine what Jim's brain might be like, and we decided that because she'd been on this um, voyage at such a formative age, probably her brain felt a bit like a ship. So we decided to set the whole thing within the um, embrace of, of these huge ship ribs here. Yes. And once we'd made, uh, and, and you know, the, f the floor has a kind of ship-like quality to it, and we tried to make the production move um, as much uh, like a ship as we possibly could. Yeah. Also because a theatre and a ship have so many um, and also overlaps. And also, it, you said stars from the very beginning because it's, it's a play about somebody navigating their yeah. way through quite a difficult world. So uh, what better to have than stars? So stars never disappeared, did they? 
that's very beautiful. So you, as I'm sure that well, those of you who've seen it know, those of you probably have read about it, if you're about to see it, Jim Hawkins is played by a, a female actor, Patsy Ferron. Um, what are we to make of this fact? Something or perhaps nothing at all? Well, I mean, I think... I don't know, we'll both have a lot to say about this. Um, I mean, as, as I say, really, I mean, I think we wanted to find a way of, of using that piece of casting as, as a way of saying that this was a show for everybody. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the gesture that it makes. Um, I think Patsy was, hands down, the best actor for the job. Mm. And that, that feels like the key, the key choice to me. Um, but other than that, it, it's, it's, it's not a... I wouldn't say it was an overtly feminist show or that it had a particular agenda in that respect. So, in fact, I, I mean, what we've said all the way along was that it's a, it's a show about adventure, not about gender. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I find cross-gender casting fascinating anyway because um, I think you get, if a man plays a woman or a woman plays a man, you get sort of two things happening at the same time and, and that's interesting. Um, it, we work in the theatre, I don't know why we, we have this thing about a man's got to play a man, yeah. still, it's, it's so late as an idea. Absolutely, no, sure. So, Bryony, so you start the first day of the adaptation, you are in front of your computer or your notebook, however you work. What were the most immediate challenges presented by Stevenson's novel? Um, great question. Um, the first, I think the most was where to put the ship and where to put the interval. So <laughs> I think I had, you know, because um, if you have a big ship, you know, you could, it, it would be wonderful it came up and it went down and then it, it was very easy. Yes. Um, but it's, it's where, to, where to split the story. Okay, um, yes. To, to have that kind of trajectory where you leave it at the interval yeah. and then you come back. Okay. Um, to a completely different place. The other, the other one I remember is that um, there are the known characters, but people like Grey and Red Ruth and a lot of the pirates, apart from Israel Hands and Long John Silver, haven't got much happening to them. Yes. They get shot. So <laughs> one thing was to, we were having wonderful workshops and there were these wonderful creative actors making pirates and right. as a writer and you never want to have somebody who's got a part and they think oh I've hardly anything to do so yes. it's it was to make every pirate or every person on the treasure um, seeking have a story right and okay. and a, a recognizable character did the script change from your very first draft to the version that we could see here on the stage tonight? Not a, not a word. <laughs> no, perfection, so from, perfection from the off. That's no, I, like. I think it's the most, <laughs> most rewritten. Um, Polly just was wonderfully terrier-like about saying, we have to have more here and we have to have more there. And um, the cast are laughing at that now, that's great. And it's a most I've written um, with, the, with the set in mind, because normally you write it and then the set's somewhere over here. But okay. there was a lot of rewriting for the, for the, um, for the set. And, and Polly kept saying, 
do we need more story? And um, so it, it, it was wonderfully like um, the writing version of doing back flip flops. <laughs> Um, so we did loads and loads. How many? I couldn't count. So, what's count. your take on this, Polly? When you read the first draft to to the the playing version now? Well, I mean, we were lucky enough to be able to do um, a lot of workshops, okay. and the studio were very, very supportive in terms of giving us time to try things out. So um, that was very instrumental in terms of working out what actually was going to work on its feet. Okay. Because particularly with a with a canvas as big as this, actually, yes. I found that it was. I think we both found that it was quite tricky to tell what what was clear and what wasn't just okay. from reading yeah. it. You had to see it. Um, and probably for that reason as well, things changed an awful lot during rehearsal and particularly during preview. But I, I think the highlight of that particular process was on preview four out of six at 10 to seven, <laughs> when we were hanging on to each other like this yes. in the bar out there with a glass yeah. of wine each going, okay, we can take five minutes off you do this, <laughs> and the parent goes here, and Brighty went off and spent that preview <laughs> writing. <laughs> and we put it all in on the day after. And it, that was, that was, it was a bit so like being on The Apprentice or something, wasn't it? Though? Yes. But you the Apprentice winners, though, the joint winners of The Apprentice. Though. Yes, thank you. <laughs> So without, the, without giving too much away, um, perhaps you could tell us a little bit, you've made a number of changes from Stevenson's original between you. With, without spoiling anything, could you tell us a little bit about those and the rationale behind them? Such a long time ago since we read it now. Um, I know. Um, I mean, for example, that well, Bryony was mentioning you know, the cast of supporting characters is greatly bumped up, and there's some new faces. Am I wrong in that saying? There's some new faces. That's right. We. Um, I don't know how much to tell without. Okay. Uh, I think we decided because the Ben Bowen had to be populated. It then seemed a good idea to take a couple of the landlubbers on the, on the trip right. because they'd get things wrong and it would be funny on the ship. And, yes. um, and also it meant we, could, we immediately had goodies and baddies. Yes. Um, how else did we depart? The ending is quite radically different. That was the thing that we were sorting out preview four out of six with a glass of wine, actually. But it is, it <laughs> yeah. is um, that, that, I mean, I think partly because of this thing of it being a serial novel. Yes. And also because, you know, it's got a novel muscle. It's interested in, in a different kind of detail and in a different kind of rhythm. It, I think most of the big changes that we made were structurally about trying to pull it into a kind of yeah. tighter arc. Um, okay. And that really kicks in kind of about halfway through yes. the novel, I think. So I think actually, although we've got extra characters, the, the first third, at least, third to a half, probably feels pretty representative in terms of going with the big events that are yeah. in the novel. And then after that, we started really <laughs> trying to um, imagine what it would be like if Stevenson had been given a commission to write this for HBO. Oh, uh, and, okay. And so yeah. once it really once we get onto the island, yes. um, uh, it, it takes off on, on quite a different tack. Difficult to talk you through that without, without giving it away to people that um, haven't seen it. So it's because the running time is two and a half hours. Was that is that the length of a family show? Does a family show have to? Could it be have been any longer, or was that just that was the amount of time it needed? Nobody gave us a kind of limit, but no. I think I mean we felt that we did we we were sort of hoping that it would be a kind of hour first half and just under for the second. So yes. we, we were we were gunning for that. Yeah, that sounds like a good. Yes, I mean some sometimes yes you one cuts inevitably towards the end of the process and, and some of it felt quite painful but now I think it's they're very good don't you mm, absolutely. that 
it's yes. So it, it changed. The preview period was obviously, with the show as big as this, was obviously vital to kind of hone and check. And, and I talked to Polly before, and you said something very interesting that you don't actually know what you've. I said to Polly uh, before, when do you know whether a show is going to be good or not, a hit or not? And Polly said, actually, it's the first preview that you you see what you've created, and it's like having what is something wonderful phrase you use. It's like having a very scary meeting with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Was the first yeah. preview very scary? Uh, well, we hadn't had a dress rehearsal when we got to the yeah. first preview, right? Um, because the tech had been so full on. So um, yes, that de that definitely counted as scary. But it's yes, I mean you can't. It, it, there's something about seeing it with an audience yes. that kind of gives you a whole extra lens it's like you know in the opticians where they put a different thing in and you yes. go oh, so I can, oh right that's no. what oh i did that did i okay let's write that down and get it out tomorrow well, so, so well, that you know it's funny yes, yes. yes. <laughs> exactly and that is frightening yes yeah did you find that first preview was that a terrifying meeting with yourself Bryony, or was that a okay we're we're nearly we're nearly at the treasure i think i was so terrified i didn't recognize myself so i never met myself <laughs> um okay. it was one of the most scary evenings um but hugely informative. Yes. And, and yes, I thought, this might work, yes. Good. Well, when did you actually have your first meeting about the show? You first started talking about it properly. Give us an idea of the time frame that these big shows take. I think it was probably, for a show this size, quite a tight time frame, mm. okay. relatively speaking. I mean, just over a year ago, okay. yes. I guess. Yeah. Was that yeah. right? so December? Yes, it, 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 it's, it's very tight to write a big show like this. Yeah. Um, talk about the casting a little bit. We've mentioned Patsy as as a uh, Jim, but you have Doctor Who's Arthur Darville as Long John Silver and, and the magnificent, if you've not seen her before, she's magnificent, Patsy Ferran, recently selected by no less a paper than the Evening Standard as one of the top names to watch this year. Um, when you called actors into audition, what were you specifically looking for when you cast those roles? Those two in particular? Yes, those two in particular. Um, well, with Jim, I think we wanted to find somebody that had um, a, an absolute kind of transparency of thought because mm. she's the lens through which we're viewing the whole experience. So Comic bones, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah. And she's got that wonderful truth that uh, if she tells you something, you believe her, even if she's lying. Yes, <laughs> yeah. you do. She's, yeah. And for, for Long John Silver? Well, I mean... We wanted to find somebody who had a kind of um, very contemporary, mercurial brand of charisma. Yes. Um, because, I mean, again, that always feels... I mean, there's, there's a kind of... Part of the problem of doing the show altogether, wasn't it, was that there's a, there's a kind of very readily accessible shelf of mental clichés when you go to Treasure Island, which is palm trees, sand, and, and it, it's quite hard to not reach for those. And there yes. definitely is a kind of Long John Silver... Um, off the peg that we could have gone for and we were very keen to try and find a, a, a new way of doing that and to try and find um, uh, the, what, the, what the kind of coolness of that character was what, the, what exactly um, uh, how his intelligence worked and also tasty <laughs> um, because it's, it's the first time um, I think you know Jim in the book um, and Jim in our show is meeting a very, very attractive adult. Yes. So, Arthur Darville, obviously. There we I go. hope you can hear this, Arthur. Yes. Right? Yeah. yes. <laughs> You're saying, Polly, interesting, the cliches of Treasure Island, the palm trees, the parrot, and so on, but sort of spinning that slightly, what 
is the enduring fascination of the book? I mean, why does this work published in 1883 still have such a hold over us today? Well, question for both of you. I think it's because it's, it's a crucial time. It's when, um, if you've had the luxury or the right to, to have a lovely, safe childhood, um, you then get to that stage, and I think it's about 13 or 14, when your hormones start racing and you start encountering the world of adults in quite a different way. Yes. And that's how it starts, I think. And it's also, I think, when you start meeting danger. Yes. You know, the, uh, and there's, there's such moments of, <gasps> look what's coming through my psychic door now. Um, that's right, yes, psychic, yes. How, is, it, is it specified how old Jim is in the book? I can't remember. 14, I never know I if I put words in his mouth. I decided he he's 14, 14, and therefore she's 14. But yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. What do you, Polly? What do you think about the enduring fascination of the book? Well, I mean, I suppose it's it. it I mean, it, it it always it feels almost like the kind of original adventure story. Yes. Um, yes. And I think that one of the things, looking through it on a kind of beat by beat basis, that's incredibly impressive about it as a piece of writing, is that. Um, it's absolutely unapologetic, really. I mean, uh, uh, in, in, its, in its drive to be an adventure story. Yes. And even though, it, 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 as we were saying earlier, it does pay attention to the, to the detail of the nightmare and to the um, precision of the characterization, at the same time, what he really ruthlessly does in every decision that he takes is push it up to stakes 10. Yes. And that's an incredibly difficult thing for a writer to do. Um, and I think he really, really does it. So, so that it has a kind of accumulative energy as you go through it, which I think is, I mean, very, very difficult to think of somebody else that, that does it with such consistency. Yes, the pace doesn't novel. slacken, does it? It's, it's adventure and terror mm. and peril and... And yeah. where another writer would go for 8 out of 10, he pushes you yeah. to 10 out of 10 yeah. again. And, and, and it must be something to do with the fact of wanting to sell that chapter each week. Yes, exactly. He had his rent to pay. And but, but it really, it does work. Yeah. It's been um, just over a month now since Treasure Island's press night. Um, so looking at it, thinking about it from this slight remove, what are you most proud of with the production? And then if you could tweak just one thing about it, what would that be? Gosh, what a good question. I'm... I'm I think I'm proudest of two things. I think we have found a way of telling an old story in a contemporary style. I think, I think we have found a way of making it feel um, accessible and clear and relevant, I would say. And, and, I, and I think that it, it's, it's, um, I'm, I'm proud of how it sits in this theatre. Yes. I, I, I feel that we have um, created something that gets to the back wall. Yes. And that was, the, that was something that felt very important to me. And to the ceiling, mm. yeah, absolutely. I think it's almost the same answer. I'm, I'm proud of the way we've, I think, honourably and adventurously told this story with using every element of theatre. You yes. know, lights, set, actors, fun, danger. Yes. Um, and so it, I'm proud of an awful lot of the work that I didn't do, you know. Sort it's of a very stuff. theatrical production, which might seem a bit of a silly thing to say because it's in a theatre, <laughs> but it couldn't be anywhere else. It could only yeah. be in this theatre. To quote a line from your own script back at you, thank you for all the pies and adventure. <laughs> and all that remains for me to do is to thank you all very much for coming and, of course, to thank our guests, Polly Finley and Bryony Lavery. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you.